Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. And Ben took the day off, uh, so I'm very glad to say my friend uh, Stan Zellers is here. Uh, let's see, IT at Geisinger for many years? Am many, I... many years, yes. Right, okay. And uh, Civil War buff, uh, one of the founding leaders within the Susquehanna Valley Conservatives group around here. So, And that group's still active, so we're glad to say that, that uh, they've uh, morphed and changed and uh, are continuing to hold online events. So, so welcome aboard, Stan. Thanks for coming in today. On the Market Sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We have a guest on the show, so we're going to have to ask folks to hold their calls for the moment. Uh, State Senator John Gordner is on the line. State Senator in the 27th District. Works out of Berwick. Former State House member. Moved to the State Senate. And now up through leadership, he's the Pennsylvania Senator Majority Whip right now in Harrisburg. Quiet leadership. Not You don't see him in the uh, pen live front page all the time boasting about this or that or making sure that the world knows about the, the Republican ideals. But he uh, he's like the duck on the pond. He's paddling like crazy underneath. And so we appreciate you calling in this morning, John. Thanks for calling in today. Uh, good morning, Mark, and good morning, Stan. Good morning. All right, I do appreciate you checking in. Okay, well, let's start out with the pr- spring primary election. So what is a pretty clear rebuke of Governor Wolf's mitigation measures, your reaction, and then walk us uh, through what that's going to mean. Uh, very excited that the uh, folks of Pennsylvania approved uh, the constitutional amendments dealing with the emergency situation. Uh, looking in uh, Columbia County, Montour, Northumberland, Snyder, my four main counties, uh, the vote was almost two to one in support of those. So I really appreciate the, the folks from my district overwhelmingly supporting those initiatives and already making a, a huge difference. Uh, the governor, we actually had a, uh, the, a 90-day emergency just end, I believe, yesterday. And uh, the governor has renewed it, but it is now going to be for a 21-day period. And we've had, uh, really, over the last 48 hours, a good amount of dialogue uh, between the House leadership, Senate leadership, the governor, and uh, his key cabinet folks, chief of staff. And uh, that's what we were asking for all along, uh, was uh, input and collaboration and conversation and the good news that is that's happening right now. I'd so, kind of forgotten how complex it was, the, all the various aspects of this. And, of course, I won't ask you to enumerate all of those. But uh, just speak to the fact that this really uh, related to licensure, unemployment, uh, training requirements, vaccines administered, the National Guard. It, it really has an impact on everything that's happening now related to the pandemic. Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, frankly, the governor said that uh, if these 
amendments passed, uh, there'd be dire situations in regard to uh, dealing with the pandemic. And now we have asked the governor for specifics on different things because we're still in a national national emergency. Uh, while the governor said that uh, funds would draw uh, dry up and that there would be different issues, uh, we believe because there is a national emergency and there have been states like Florida that have ended their state of emergency and haven't lost federal funding, uh, we believe that's the case as well. And it, it looks like some of the uh, initial information we're getting from the governor's office may prove that out. So uh, I, I find it kind of interesting that now that now that his feet have been held to the fire, he's suddenly found the desire to come to the negotiating table. That's obviously I'm not a fan of the governor. So, well, John, well, reaction. We, and and, and uh, you know what we said is all we want is collaboration. Uh, we believe that that's ultimately what the people of Pennsylvania want. Uh, frankly, we're the ones that are closest to the people. Um, you know, Governor Wolf is in his second term. He's, he's basically a lame tuck governor that doesn't have to go before the people again. But uh, every House member has to go every two years. Every senator has to go every four years. And we just want to be at the table so that we can uh, provide competing thoughts and, and input as to how to to deal with this situation. Isn't that something that uh, would, uh, uh, if collaboration at the national level would take place, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be something that would uh, improve a lot of things that are happening in, in our country right now? Sure, and we used, uh, look, we used the vaccine task force as a perfect example. Uh, we asked repeatedly uh, last year during 2020 to have the governor establish some sort of task force with Democrats and Republicans at the table uh, where there would be active discussions and consensus reach. The governor uh, refused to do that. But I think in anticipation of these uh, votes, the governor created this uh, vaccine task force in February. And if you remember, back then we were 48th or 49th in the country in regard to uh, getting uh, vaccines distributed around the state. Uh, again, if you remember, West Virginia was like second or third and being most productive, and we were 48th or 49th. But this uh, vaccine task force was created. There's a House Democrat, a House Republican, a Senate Democrat, a Senate Republican, a couple of cabinet secretaries, the governor. Uh, they uh, meet on a weekly basis for an hour and a half or so. Uh, everyone at the table has input. The governor, to his credit, listens. And uh, from from late February to early April, uh, we went from 48th or 49th in the country to 7th or 8th, uh, and it was a direct result of a collaborative process with a, uh, a vaccine task force reaching consensus and making decisions, and that's how we should have been doing things all along. Well, the governor hasn't hesitated to say how onerous and unhelpful the legislature's ideas have been now that we see that collaboration pays off. I'd love to see him walk that back and and even say, maybe I should have worked with you more closely uh, throughout that. So we'll wait for those words, uh, no indication whether they'll happen. Okay, so the collaboration is happening now. What happens uh, as the 21 days progresses and then at the end of the 21 days? Well, first of all, uh, the state election results have not been certified. Uh, matter of fact, today, Friday, is the day that uh, I think all the counties gather and they uh, collect the write-in votes and, and uh, retabulate, and then they certify their results to the state. Uh, the state will certify in the next seven to ten days. 
so we we frankly need that certification um, but as a lawyer uh, I know the case law says that constitutional amendments take effect on the day that they are voted. So uh, even if uh, the results aren't certified for another seven to ten days, um, case law says that uh, if passed, they passed on the day that the people voted, which would have been on May 18th. So again, 21 days, which takes us to, let's see, roughly uh, about the 10th or so of June. And uh, we're our staff, House staff, the governor's staff, actively working, looking to see what all these issues are, like you mentioned, with the Department of State, with the National Guard, uh, and funding. And uh, we expect uh, to uh, deal appropriately. Um, we're, we're in session every week in June, so we'll have plenty of time to, uh, to, to, to see whether this may be the last state of emergency. And again, the governor had already announced, uh, it's funny how he would announce things when things were closing, he would give uh, less than 24 hours notice, but when he's opening things, he gives about four weeks notice. So if you remember at the beginning of May, he announced that uh, come May 31st, basically all of the uh, restrictions go away other than masks. Well, that's right. And honestly, I, I think yesterday outlined what's at stake here in a sort of a prolonged uh, release and series of remarks. And it really makes it sound like the sky is falling if because the legislature is involved now. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. Uh, simple majority of the House and Senate is all that's needed to rescind that uh, emergency declaration now? That is correct. Uh, so there were two... Two constitutional amendments. Uh, the one um, addresses an issue that the state Supreme Court uh, dealt with last year, and just another interesting state Supreme Court decision. And it was a four to three decision, uh, so a, a tight one. But yeah, from now on, uh, the one says that uh, uh, the legislature can end uh, a state of emergency with a, a simple majority vote. The state Supreme Court last year said no you need the governor then to sign that uh, which again would have uh, continued to give the governor veto and to say that the governor is the only one who can create an emergency and the governor is the basically the only one that can end an emergency was was one of the reasons behind this whole uh, constitutional effort and then the second one is the one that says that when they when a governor creates an emergency it lasts 21 days instead of the 90 days Senator, going back uh, several months, uh, uh, there was uh, it became evident that there was uh, some ambiguity between uh, current law and uh, the uh, uh, there was ambiguity surrounding the issue of who could declare and who could end an emergency. And I think that the Pennsylvania Department of Health was one of the elements of that. And of course, the executive branch and the legislative branch. So do these two amendments uh, clear up that ambiguity and place the responsibility clearly on the shoulders of the General Assembly? Well, uh, a governor can still declare a state of emergency. Um, that That is not changing. So a governor can declare a state of emergency. And if, if, you, if you put aside the, the current pandemic that we're in, uh, 99% of all emergencies were weather-related uh, so, you know, winter storm, a flood, uh, some sort of uh, weather-related emergency, and they were done and over with within 21 days, which is why sort of we picked that, that number. Um, this governor has changed things up, and I, I go to the opioid uh, uh, situation. 
Um, I mean, we're now in year three, and I think the, the governor has declared 11 or 12 consecutive 90-day emergencies, um, and that's the one that really made us nervous because it, it says that any it, it, unchecked, that precedent says that a governor can start an emergency and it could run the whole four years of, of his or her term. And uh, so that concerns us, but that will not be the case in the future. No, no doubt that a General Assembly will be able to end an emergency after those two constitutional amendments. Are you getting a sense that there might be some impact as it relates to the opioid emergency? Precisely what that entails escapes me, but uh, maybe you know. Well, uh, look, there is no doubt uh, that uh, we, we had serious situations uh, three, four years ago. Um, Northumberland County Coroner Jim Kelly was one that was adamantly involved with that because he was sick and tired of, of going to uh, uh, more o- uh, overdoses and situations. But I, I'm now unclear as to why we're in year three of this and uh, what what the huge benefit of 11 states of emergency for 90 days are in regard to this emergency. I think if I were to go out in the street and ask 50 people if they knew we were in year three of a state of emergency, I think 50 of them would say, I have no idea. Well, you have some of the Geisinger leadership uh, when it comes to addiction uh, in the forefront there. They would know, but go off the campus, I'm sure you probably would not. Any other thoughts about the Pennsylvania spring primary election, the outcomes, the votes, or anything else that you saw in the primary? Uh, no, uh, we. I mean, it's this year is is mostly a local uh, election year. Uh, I think you did see across the board that the turnout was higher, and uh, I'm going to attribute the constitutional amendments uh, to to some of the reason for that. Um, uh, there were two special elections uh, because of vacancies. The uh, Republican seat uh, remained Republican, and the Democratic seat uh, remained uh, Democrat. So there were no surprises. Uh, there, uh, but look, uh, there were there were glitches in uh, different counties, uh, whether Philadelphia, Allegheny, uh, Fayette, uh, Luzerne County, uh, York County, uh, Lancaster County. Uh, so uh, there were big glitches locally, but there were certain glitches around the county in regard to um, machines not being identified properly, ballots not being identified properly. Uh, and and those those issues need to be addressed. Well, if you watch Andy Maholshik on WBRE, this is the end of the world as we know it. So because the Luzerne County had some glitches and some votes that people cast didn't count, so that's uh, that. Of course, it's a problem. Not making light of it, but uh, it's it's their main topic of coverage lately. Uh, now that the legislature will have a role in easing mitigation, uh, the measures that will remain, if any, after the first of the month. Uh, any thoughts about that? Uh, now that you have a chance, that uh, you know some of your ponderings related to that uh, can have impact? Well, look, uh, I think things have changed dramatically in regard to uh, the vaccines. Uh, we, we knew a couple of months ago that people were clamoring to try to get vaccines, and now uh, there's an overabundance of them. Uh, the age limits have changed a bit, so uh, younger folks are now eligible and certainly getting them. I noticed it at the local CVS store uh, that folks are still getting the vaccines, but from the CDC guidance and, uh, you know, what's happening at states, uh, it, it's just a different situation out there. 
Uh, and look, uh, you know, the governor, Governor Wolf, for a while was following New Jersey and New York, but New Jersey and New York have pretty well opened things up as of this week in regard to uh, limits of, of people and stuff. And uh, I think we are ready for that. There's 20 some of us that asked the governor to uh, do it as of May 28th uh, rather than Monday the 31st. Um, and we'll see if uh, we can we, we can change his mind and open up at the beginning of Memorial Day weekend and not at the end of it. All right. Other legislative topics. It's budget time, so we know you've been focusing on that. You had originally said that there there were solutions that would help cobble together a budget with available dollars. Uh, any updates there or other legislative updates? Well, uh, you know, I just before I came on, I... Uh, from the Department of Labor and Industry, we get a monthly update on uh, the unemployment situation, and I was chair of Labor and Industry for six and a half years, so I pay special attention to it. But just mind-blowing uh, that uh, the numbers that uh, were released this morning from April uh, show that unemployment uh, went up in Pennsylvania. Uh, our unemployment rate is now 7.4%. Uh, a um, a full 1.3% against the national average. And to see the unemployment rate go up and yet uh, know that uh, across the state there are a million jobs that are unfilled, and I can't go anywhere in my uh, legislative district, uh, whether it's to the, the grocery store or the hardware store or um, uh, uh, we have a restaurant, um, a fulfilling station uh, that uh, you know are trying to hire people at $18 an hour uh, with full benefits. Uh, so uh, to see that uh, you know Pennsylvania, unlike 22 other states that are changing the, the $300 extra, or uh, the uh, 30 states that have uh, reinstated the work search requirement. Uh, to see our unemployment rate go up to 7.4% is just unacceptable. Just just a, a, a small anecdote locally. We, we travel between uh, Lewisburg and Harrisburg uh, probably two, three times a week to see our grandkids, uh, uh, you know, activities. And uh, as you said, there's, there's help-wanted signs everywhere and people paying uh, uh, sign-on bonuses. Uh, so, you know, what you've just said makes no sense. Uh, our local Wendy's uh, restaurant has a sign on their door. They can't open the lobby because because they can't get people, and the manager's final sentence in, in, in that notice is nobody wants to work. So it has to have to do. It has to have something to do with the uh, uh, the fact that that the federal government is paying people more to stay home than they would than they would make while working. It 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 just defies common sense. What's amazing nationally, it, it started with three states, and then uh, I, I saw nine states, and then as of a week ago, it was 15 states, and then I watched uh, and uh, looked at a blog uh, last night, uh, and it listed 22 states uh, starting in June, and they're, they're phasing it out. Uh, they haven't done it yet, but uh, 22 states starting in June are phasing out the $300 extra uh, amount. It always, and, uh, gi- it always gives me hope. There's when, a reason for it. It always gives me hope when common sense starts to prevail. Can Pennsylvania do that? Uh, Pennsylvania can do it. Um, I mean, look, the first thing that we should do is is reinstate the work search requirement. Uh, you know, the governor 
uh, by an executive order under the emergency, um, got rid of that legislative requirement. Uh, it's in the it's in the statute that people that are unemployed are supposed to be searching for work, but the governor, through his emergency powers, uh, terminated or uh, suspended that uh, a year ago. And and I get why he did it a year ago uh, and throughout the last summer, but. Um, it needs to be, first of all, reinstated so that folks are at least uh, looking for work and uh, having to document that they're looking for work. Uh, so that's one thing that, that should happen. And I think the governor should join the 22 other states and start to phase it out, you know, be, be responsible. Um, and, you know, if he wants to go 300 to 200 to 100 over a series of three weeks, um, that's fine. Um, but... Uh, the amount of jobs that are out there available and at good wages with benefits and people are vaccinated, um, you know, it seems like we need to be doing that. We should not see our unemployment rate going up. All right. Well, thank you so much for all the help and the answers and for being just a regular participant since the pandemic and long before then as well. We appreciate it, John. Thanks for checking in today. Uh, good talking to you guys. Have a great weekend. Appreciate that, John Gordner. Now, we followed him throughout the pandemic from the last days they were operating in Harrisburg and then to his home when he had set up a home office so that he could uh, do majority whip duties and legislative duties from his house and then uh, back to Harrisburg. So he's been staying in touch at least on a monthly basis. And so we very much appreciate that. John Gordner, 27th District State Senator, State Majority Whip. We'll be back with uh, some remarks. Uh, and uh, probably no time for a call, but uh, we'll be back shortly here on WKOK's On the Mark. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Uh, on the mark, you're happy with basically what uh, Senator Gordner had to say, that they're going to try to reel in some of these uh, things from the governor, Stan? You're really? happy they're going to reel these in? Well, uh, the the House, uh, the General Assembly now has the power. So, uh, and I think the uh, the popular sentiment, uh, not only in Pennsylvania but across the nation, is people have had enough. You know, they're ready to move on, and the vaccines are being are being uh, administered, uh, uh, and uh, the confidence of of the 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 people uh, is coming back. Uh, so, uh, it's it's probably time to take. A, to take a new look at things and uh, and uh, get us uh, get us back to normal. Don't don't forget that the original intent of all these lockdowns and everything was to quote flatten the curve, unquote. 
uh, and that was supposed to be a three-week thing, but uh, the so-called experts, and I'm, uh, that's you, I'm talking to you, Dr. Fauci, kept moving the goalposts, and, and here we are more than a year later, and finally it looks like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, hopefully the General Assembly will take the bull by the horns and, uh, and uh, move us down the, down the, uh, down the road to... Uh, uh, the old normalcy. I don't. Uh, I, I don't ascribe to anything called a new normalcy. <laughs> you want to get back to the old normal? Uh, yeah, if we, if if we can, it seems strange and and somehow fun to move about the building or elsewhere without a mask now. So, um. <laughs> my wife and I went to Walmart yesterday and and we walked in without a mask and it was kind of like, ooh, what's what's going on Are here? We, you have to look at yourself. Am I naked or something? <laughs> what's happening here? Uh, well, I I think second guessing our professional leaders has has been a full time job, and I don't just mean second guessing uh, Democratic governors who may have had more oh, no. severe, but Republican governors who had less severe. I mean, we wouldn't have any Neanderthal governors if it weren't for one that was ready to open up before, <laughs> you know, our president was ready to declare it. So I honestly think um, everybody knows better. Um, one of our uh, commentators yesterday said, well, we should be lucky. We only killed a half a million people in, in the U.S. It could have been much worse. So, you know, it was worth it in the end. We had some lockdowns in some places and not in others. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 a I'm a nonpartisan uh, blame placer. I I don't I don't focus just on uh, on uh, one one political party. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Well, and we we did monitor as uh, President Trump wrapped up his term. You were not in lockstep with some of his remarks, so we can talk about that. President Biden's uh, first 100 plus days. We can talk about that. We will have open phones during the 9 a.m. hour. We'll do the headlines, and then we'll uh, talk with everybody on WKOK's On the Mark. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence. Greetings. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Stan Zellers is directly across from me. Had a fabulous uh, career in IT at, uh, I believe, Geisinger Facilities, right? Uh, Both uh, American Home Foods and Geisinger. Okay, super. Well, I appreciate you coming in today. And Civil War buff, you monitor with extra interest the discussion that we have about monuments last year and taking things down like that and changing oh, 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 oh. indeed I indeed I do okay. yes so you were yelling at the uh, computer screen a couple of times <laughs> throwing, last year. throwing things at the TV oh, yes no yes. okay <laughs> all right well maybe we can talk about that uh, too as a day progresses but uh, and of course was uh, integrally involved in making sure that there is a Susquehanna Valley conservatives group locally now hundreds and hundreds of members are participating and the leadership there has evolved slightly but uh, certainly we're grateful for 
or the startup or the organization. Hopefully, they'll be meeting in person uh, before too long, and we can start to uh, promote, to cover, and to enjoy the outcome of those kinds of meetings of the conservative groups. So Stan Zellers is uh, with us uh, today. Uh, I'm Mark Lawrence. Rob Setter is our fabulous producer. We're going to check news headlines, but we've got open phones if you wish to call in and talk about some of the things that uh, State Senator John Gordner had to say. We'd love to hear from you. Nobody asked him about radar today, so Joe's going to be irritated about that. But if you wish to call in and talk about some of the things he said, they are doing some collaboration with the governor now, some initial meetings to try to figure out how to do this. Uh, the uh, governor yesterday outlined a wide range of impacts that he says are going to have to be talked about as part of the state of emergency. And of course, the legislature can just endorse it if they run out of time and they don't want some onerous outcome. And then they can take another resolutionary vote at any time and change their mind and let that uh, let that uh, state of emergency evolve in some way. So your view on that topic, 1-800-795-9565. Didn't hear too much uh, from President Joe Biden yesterday, although he did talk about how uh, he was uh, working behind the scenes to try to make sure that the uh, uh, peace deal or the ceasefire that's underway right now is working behind the scenes to make sure that that happens. So we can talk a little bit about that. I want to ask Stan his impression of President Biden's first 100 days. So we're going to do that uh, shortly. You mean Our, you mean he's still working from his basement? <laughs> no, he's, he's out of the basement. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, he's out of the basement because he's taking of quite a few actions, mm-hmm. some of which have been great for the nation and some have been uh, have set us back a little bit. So we can talk about that on the mark sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Do check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is now open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We'd love to hear from you today. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarket.com and text us at 70236. We would uh, very much like to hear from you today. All right, the brief news headlines. State police say they have arrested a Snyder County man on child pornography charges. Troopers from local barracks as well as the FBI and statewide state police investigators were in on the investigation. They said uh, state police charged 41-year-old David Cool with sexual abuse of children, criminal use of a communication facility, and other charges. He was arraigned in front of Magistrate uh, Jeffrey Rao and jailed on $50,000 bail. A hearing will be held in the next week or so. Troopers say he was viewing files of child pornography. Three elections in, and there are still multiple issues with the newly purchased voting machines in Northumberland County. No, they're not from Dominion, Stan. Stand down. Okay, sorry. The county... I knew you were thinking that. The county is now seeking solutions from the state, which may lead to a refund or replacement of the machines. Commissioner Chairman Sam Shikitano said enough is enough. The state's looking at what happened in Tuesday's primary that uh, saw about a quarter of the precincts in uh, Northumberland County had difficulty closing down the machines. That delayed the county's full results until Wednesday. A frustrated Chicatano says the uh, county cannot have this happen every election, and this is the last time they'll have those kinds of issues. Bucknell University says it won't be able to complete its investigation into last Thursday's attack on a home for LGBTQ students in time for the Sunday's commencement. This comes as the university is facing pressure to complete the investigation in just a few days. Uh, Our news director, Matt Catrillo, has the latest on that. President John Brodman said Thursday it's not possible every action in response to the incident will be completed prior to commencement, given the amounts of information being collected. 
Robbins says more than 40 people have been interviewed in the past 72 hours by an independent Philadelphia law firm hired by the university to conduct the investigation. Robbins says before starting the investigation, the university provided notice of the incident to the Union County District Attorney. The incident occurred at Tower House, the home of the France House Affinity Group on campus. That's when a group of men reportedly from a banned fraternity that used to live at the house caused a disturbance, urinated on the porch, swung a metal bar at a flagpole flying the pride flag, and tried to break in. Residents locked themselves inside at the time. Robin says the university is committed to completing a thorough and fair investigation while determining institutional responses. Matt Catrillo, News Radio 1070, WKOK. Associated Press is reporting that a senior advisor to President Trump took to Twitter Thursday to stress that the former president has made no endorsement of anyone to become governor of Pennsylvania. The statement by the advisor Jason Miller comes a day after a Republican state senator who has talked to possibly running for governor in 2022 said that Trump had asked him to run and promised to campaign for him. Miller on Twitter reiterated that President Trump has not made any endorsement or commitments yet in the race. The state senator, Doug Mastriano, hasn't declared his candidacy. However, former congressman from around here, Lou Barletta, the Republican Party's Trump-endorsed nominee for U.S. Senate in 2018, has declared his candidacy for governor. Barletta, a close ally to Trump and former Hazleton mayor, was one of Trump's 20 hand-picked electors in Pennsylvania last year and was co-chair of President Trump's campaign for the 2016 race. Barletta said last weekend that he has not discussed his candidacy with Trump and that he would love to have Trump's endorsement and will try to earn it. Mastriano said during a sit-down interview this week that President Trump had asked him to run some months ago. He said, Doug, run and I'll campaign for you and endorse you. So we're back to square one on that topic. Finally, oh, we got a call coming in and one is waiting. A fundraiser to help Shikalami students is being held today. The Shikalami Braves Foundation is holding a chicken barbecue. Uh, the events at Brewer's Outlet along Reagan Street in Sunbury starting at 11 o'clock. Proceeds benefit students in the Shikalami School District. Call 570-661-1887 for more information. The foundation says it serves students in ways the schools can't, supporting sports teams, buying AV equipment, and taking care of more things at the Shikalami School District. So yeah, delicious opportunity to support the students of the Shikalami School District uh, today. All right, we got some callers uh, standing by. 1-800-795-9565 is the telephone number. You can text us at 70236. Include the keyword uh, OTM in your message uh, so that we can download it and uh, we'll try as we might to read it on the radio. So we appreciate you um, trying to send us a message. Uh, let's see. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll start out with Bobby. Go ahead, sir. You're on the mark. Uh, yes. Um, good, good morning, everyone. Uh, from being a broadcast engineer of so many years and the declarations of, um, you know, emergency uh, during snowstorms and floods and, and, and everything, uh, basically the question I have to ask, of course, of course, I know the governor. I mean, it, it, I don't know uh, what what conditions state or give them the the authority or uh, to, to declare an emergency. 
and what type, whether it's weather-related, whether it's uh, health-related, or, or power-related or anything, um, anything like that. And that's, that's the only question I have in all this. All right. Well, good question. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, Bobby, I think the, the Constitution says the governor can do this. This is, you know, he hasn't done anything illegal. I don't think he's played the whole pandemic well by shutting out the legislature. Stan? That's an interesting question, Bob. Uh, in a previous life, I was a uh, disaster recovery planner for an IT department. And one of the first questions you have to get answered is what constitutes a disaster. So uh, hopefully there are some guidelines in place, and and if there are, hopefully they will be followed. But that's that's an interesting question. All right, and the legislature <laughs> said, well, on second guess, if we had more control, that would help us with these kind of prolonged disasters. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. But, yeah, the governor has given constitutional power to declare a state of emergency, but uh, and, and then almost any entity of government over which he has appointing and control power, he can make changes. And so that's a wide berth in Pennsylvania. Uh, it involves licensing and training uh, requirements. The governor yesterday outlined that uh, he uh, was the uh, the uh, governor's office was the pass-through agency for all the federal support that's going to state agencies. Uh, he also says that uh, medical professionals uh, are governed of course, licensure and training uh, standards are set by the governor's office. Uh, family helps, like access to SNAP during the disaster, was passed through his office. Federal disaster dollars for counties, waivers and extensions of uh, the unemployment compensation situation uh, passed through the governor's office. Uh, training requirements and certification, license renewals for health care professionals, child care workers, uh, overseeing the vaccine provision. And the fact that some healthcare professionals had been had either let their licenses expired, or as long as they're participating in vaccination and other programs, wouldn't have to renew their licenses initially. So, National Guard, of course, we know the governor oversees the National Guard deployments in Pennsylvania. So, um, yeah, it turned out that really almost everything that related to a disaster response was in the hands of the governor. And the legislature says, well, that's fine initially, but we have to have. Uh, some say eventually. Dan, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, I call it the planned pandemic because they were experimenting here and in China about the transfer of it from animals to humans, and it happened in China. And Dr. Fauci was involved with them experiments. Now, he denies it under questioning from Rand Paul, but he was definitely involved with that. And when this started out, the main reason, its sure, it's, it might be a more severe virus than some of our influenzas we had over the years, but their plan was to railroad Trump out of office. They knew Trump was going to win this election, even with all the anonymities they had with the election machines. He still would have won. They couldn't have cheated him out of it. So they used this to get Trump out of office. Now that they got rid of him, now we're slowing it down. Now they're saying we can get back to normal. Well, 
we should have never shut Pennsylvania down except, like I said, ever since I called in about this, nursing homes and them kind of facilities where you had a lot of elderly people, yeah, they needed to mitigate them places, but not us, not the populace. I know groups of people, I won't say who they are, lots of them never wore a mask, never did any, had school, had their kids were playing in the playground without masks, weren't social distance, they had no problem with COVID-19. So, and okay. so that's why I call it the pandemic. Right. You, can, you can take me to task if you want to on this, <laughs> but but go for it. Whatever you gentlemen think. Well, I'm sure you have your research done and you, and you have your facts to back it up that you know you're saying that. So I certainly wouldn't argue with that. But um, what? It, okay, so the Democrats planned it. You know, Dr. Fauci worked with the Chinese government to release this, and then the pandemic timing was set to uh, be I would, released. I I don't. I can't answer them conspiracy type questions. I I don't know how how it all came about for sure, but what they did do, they used it as a, a tool to finally and finally get rid of that terrible guy Trump. You know, there was nothing they were going to stop to get rid of him. You you know the hate for him. You hear. Locally and nationally, even worse, even to this day. Well, what if President Trump had handled it properly? I know that they really, the Democrats probably wisely really capitalized on the fact that he mishandled it. You know, he denied it, and then he wouldn't react, and he wouldn't have the federal response be anything that would be even close to what should have taken place in order to prevent more deaths in the U.S. What if he had handled it properly? Then what? I mean, I th- the Democrats really just made great hay over yeah. the fact that he was mishandling it. He handled it. He I mean he did a great job. He got the vaccine. The so-called vaccines, which is not a vaccine, mislabeled. They're not vaccines. But he he uh, he did what he had to do. He was between a rock and a hard place. He knew. I'm, I, I'm, I never talk with him, but I'm sure he knew what was happening. They were going to use this to get rid of him. He couldn't deny that it was less serious than it was. They would have used that against him. If he'd have done nothing, they would have used that against him. In other words, they had him, uh, they had him by the, you know what. That the, he couldn't do and whatever he'd done, he couldn't win. It is what happened there. I I can't tell you if it, the release of it, but probably might have been accidental. I can't say it was deliberately released, but it was released and it got it. It served a purpose. In other words, they took advantage of a so-called crisis they remember what the democrats taught teach do not let any crisis go to waste and right. to this day oh, hold on dan hold on hold on go ahead stand yeah 
Dread Stan. All right. Well, uh, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm a guest here, but I have to disagree with you, Mark. Uh, you said he mishandled it, so I'm going to go through a, a short litany of things that he did in response to the to the uh, to the coronavirus. The first case. Uh, that appeared in the United States, I believe, was January 11th, 2019, in Seattle, Washington. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for calling in today. Go ahead, Stan. So, uh, and uh, it was confirmed that it was a a novel novel coronavirus, novel meaning new, the next day after the patient presented at an emergency room or whatever medical facility he came into. So within, uh, I believe, within a week of that, President Trump issued a no-travel ban from China, uh, and about three, four weeks later, he issued a no-travel ban from Europe. So here's a couple of questions. When was the last time you saw a U.S. president jawbone distillers to switch production lines from making booze to making hand sanitizers? When was the last time you saw a U.S. president jawbone automobile manufacturers to switch a production line from making cars to making ventilators? When was the last time you saw a U.S. president send U.S. Navy hospital ships, one to New York City, one to Los Angeles? So to say that he failed to respond, and by the way, the really big one is, when was the last time you saw a vaccine developed uh, in less than a year that now the Biden administration is taking credit for. That's just, uh, I digress. That's Sorry. an aside. <laughs> That's another topic. Okay, we're going to stop you right there, but that, those okay. are great points all. No argument against any of them. We are going to take a quick break. We've got a caller ready and two other calls after that. We're talking, we're doing a little compare and contrast with President Trump uh, versus the vaccine, and uh, we have another uh, good listener that's going to tell us something positive, and she's next. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. One of the lines is open, 1-800-795-9565. I don't think I I have old emails that I have to get to, but I do not have any new ones. So you can send an email to onthemark at WKOK.com, and you can text us at 70236, but you do need to include in there the keyword OTM, and then we will uh, read that on the radio. Cindy, you're on the mark. Thank you for waiting. Go right ahead. 
Although this wasn't why I originally called, you know, President Trump set up freestanding, he waived all federal regulation and put set up freestanding hospitals in many major cities in order to provide care for people that were stricken with COVID and capped the charges so that you would not be charged past your insurance for the care you received if you received if you contracted COVID. I mean, and that's only a handful of things. He had press conferences every single day. Now, I know a lot of people didn't know this because the major news networks chose not to put them, to air them, and the major TV networks chose not to air them. But that doesn't mean they didn't happen. I watched them day after day where he brought agency heads from across the federal government to explain how they were responding in a myriad of ways to it. I think it's really unfair to say that he did not respond well to the to the uh, COVID disaster. I think that's uh, uh, really unfair. But the reason I called was something positive. I think that the states that surround us, four, three of them now, have put in place these reward programs for going to get a shot, to go get the COVID immunizations. You either get, uh, you entered in a lottery, you could win a million dollars in Ohio and others in Maryland. I think it's 40 thousand dollars up to four hundred thousand dollars in new york they give you lottery tickets you can win i think up to a million dollars why isn't pennsylvania similarly responding with a positive program a carrot instead of a stick to get people to come in that's the approach that we need to get people vaccinated Stan. great great idea i uh, uh yes uh when you're faced, uh, at least speaking for myself, when I'm faced with a difficult decision, you you got to learn to think out of the box a little bit and try to find some way to to deal with the situation. And what you're suggesting, I mean, okay, it's it's uh, it's available in other states, and uh, yeah, why can't Pennsylvania do it? I just. Uh, uh, during during one of the breaks, Mark and I were talking about something uh, happening in Pennsylvania called Reggie, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. It has to do with carbon emissions, and you know that's a whole whole different story. But anyway, the point that I'm uh, that I want to make is uh, Governor Wolf. It, it, you know the first the first word in that uh, in that. Uh, title is the operative word, regional. So Governor Wolf has signed on with the governors of five or six other Northeast uh, American states, uh, among them New York and New Jersey, uh, to foster this this idea, this, this implementation of this program. Now, we have to ask ourselves, how many people in Pennsylvania voted for Andrew Cuomo or voted for Phil Murphy? None. The answer is none. It's a rhetorical question. Everybody, uh, all the voters in Pennsylvania have either voted for Scott Wagner or Tom Wolf or some write-ins, whatever. So why doesn't Governor Wolf have the spine to take responsibility and create programs like this and then take the heat for having done it 
because when you know no matter which side of the spectrum you're on there's always going to be somebody who will find fault with it uh so what you're suggesting i mean sure let's uh, let's come up with some creative How about solution Pennsylvania lottery yeah sure well exactly. ohio saw a 25 percent increase rate in vaccination that's substantial so there's your proof in the pudding. Does this, and that's the state where you have a, uh, one chance a week to win a million dollars. It's not a very strong chance. And some of the others, I think Como's quoting a one in seven chance of winning on his lottery. That's really pretty good when you consider, you know, I'm going to go buy a mega millions ticket and I'm, you know, more likely to be run over by a bus. But that's not the point. The point is that instead of government being punitive, which is its typical approach, towards its citizens to be punitive instead of the press being um, snarky negative and deriding the people that don't agree with them let's take a positive approach let's uh, uh, say to people hey we want you to do this and here's your reward for doing it i think that's the way to approach preach it sister thank you thank Thank you you. cindy yep appreciate the call Uh, mike you're next up thanks for waiting go ahead you're on the mark yeah one first about covid you know the thing that bothers me the most is there's a lot of data out that says this was going on in China for months, months before they let it, you know, let it be known. It was kept secret, basically. Okay, so why were they keeping it secret? And it originated thousands of miles away from where the Bat Cave was that they said caused the uh, transmission. It, it happened to, you know, and it, and it happened to originate near the laboratory where they were working on this stuff. So, you know, right from the beginning. People should have had a, a, a different attitude towards this. But the reality is, you know, Trump, did he do a great job as far as communicating? Is his personality good? Is his tweets great? No, not that much. But he, he, did, he did everything he needed to do to do to try to get a hold of this virus. So, you know, I, I'm going to agree with Cindy. I think it's, you know, unfair. But, I mean, this is a Democrat narrative to say that he was, you know, he did everything to ki- everything he could to kill people, okay? So that, that's what I wanted to say that. But now, also, uh, John Gordner, uh, I, I just caught the tail end of him, and I was wondering, did he mention anything about, you know, when they, when they do the postmortem on these elections, and that's going to come a while from now, but immediately they say, hey, there was a trend here that we saw you know, tonight that was different, you know, surprised us or whatever. Did he say anything specifically about any surprises that came out of this election as far as the entire state's concerned? Uh, I didn't hear anything that seemed no, like a surprise. He, wasn't su- he was not surprised at the rebuke of Governor Wolf in the referenda. Yeah, he he only mentioned uh, a few glitches uh, uh, with uh, some voting machines, uh, Northumberland County being one of them, you know, in various counties in in Pennsylvania, but uh, uh, nothing uh, nothing uh, along those lines. Okay, the reason the reason I bring it up is because there, from my understanding, has been at least a couple long-term Democrat mayors that lost their primary uh, elect, you know, primary election so they can't get elected again, and they lost to people that are they're called progressive, okay? I'm going to say they're, they're on the left, okay? So these uh, uh, basically moderate Democrat mayors long-term lost to leftists or Democrat, Democrat left. So that, to me, is a significant trend. I know it happened uh, up north of me, and I heard it happened in uh, maybe Harrisburg. And yeah, Pittsburgh. Harrisburg I mean, and Pittsburgh, guys, right? And I think Allentown, if I'm guessing correctly. Right. These are all 
these are all cities that you know that are going to be fertile grounds for the you know the mail-in ballots and the ballot harvesting if that gets passed you know nationally by the feds. So you know there's a lot of talk. The last thing I'll say is a lot of talk about you know the mid midterm election. Okay, there's a lot of people upset. You know, Gordon talked about. I heard him say how many people. Uh, uh, need workers, okay, and it, it's constant. I've been hearing this for a long time from friends that have businesses. I mean, I have friends that own businesses; that they're shutting down an extra day a week because they just can't afford to keep it open and pay the people what they need to pay them. But what I'm trying to say here is, there's a lot of people relying on the midterm election to have some kind of correction election to, to rein in this leftist move that's coming out of Washington and Joe Biden and his people, Pelosi. I don't I, listen. You cannot agree on the normal trends in elections to say, "Hey, we'll have a correction, so we just have to wait this out and stall." No, the people that want to have freedom, people that want to see Republicans, people that want to see, uh, you know, a strong economy for the working man, they need to get activists and they need to, you know, get the ideas out there, get the word out there, and convince people that it can happen here too. And, and to me, that's my new saying. You know, we, we've seen countries taken over by communism, by socialism. We've seen empires fail. But everybody says, well, this is America. It's not going to happen here. Well, it can happen here, too. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for calling in. Really appreciate the call. One of our listeners sends us a text. It says, Cindy, I, too, watched President Trump's COVID-19 press conferences. They evolved into a sad Saturday night-like skit. Remember how we got injectable Clorox? Talk about fake news, says Bill from Dewart. Another listener sends us a text, says, and the whole text isn't here. And unfortunately, singular system only sends us 140 characters, then stops. The other uh, Verizon sends you the whole message. Anyway, this says, if people have to be bribed to take an experimental serum, then how good is that serum? Only just recently has the CDC and the NHS lifted the mandates for something there, and then that has, then we don't get to see the rest of it. All right, we'll take a quick break. We've got a caller waiting. We'll take more comers. Uh, it is, I guess, parenthetically, we might be evaluating some of President Trump's actions, uh, specifically actions, not remarks. Remarks were all bad, but actions were all good in the minds of some. So we'll talk about that. 1-800-795-9565. We want to get our 100-plus days evaluation of President Biden from our good co-stand Zellers. But if you'd like to weigh in today, 1-800-795-9565. Email on the market, WKOK.com, and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Hey, one of our listeners says, uh, here we go. If people have to be bribed to take an experimental serum, just how good is that serum? Only recently has the CDC and the NHS and IH lifted the mandates for uh, this particular serum. Why? They don't know how effective it is, how long it lasts, or what the long-term impact might be. Does not sound like a win to me says one of our listeners. Mark, thank you so much for your patience. We really appreciate it. But you are now on the mark. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll answer the, the vaccine question. You're going to have to have a booster shot, a booster shot within a year or less. Yeah, we uh, hear more talk about that. I agree. Uh, 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 Joe Biden's supposed to be against fossil fuels. Well, he just granted approval for the Russians to run an oil and gas pipeline 
into the rest of Europe, so they're going to be supplying the natural gas and oil, and the United States now isn't. Strange, strange, very much. Now, here's one. Go ahead, Steve. Isn't it it funny how on his first day in office, Joe Biden uh, canceled the uh, XL pipeline, put 11,000 people out of work, but yet he's, he's, uh, you know, he's cozying up to Russia and letting them build the pipeline into Europe. Well, you not much of a choice. Uh, Russia was threatening to invade Ukraine. They had over 100,000 troops. So that's where that came from. Uh, he's caving all over the place. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, last night, the airport was very busy. They were flying in illegals, running on buses and heading southeast. Large numbers. You didn't hear, you didn't hear that on CBS, though, did you? I heard it on Fox this morning. Hey, oh, there was another network that carried it, too. It's, we're, we're bad. I mean, we're in bad shape here. That's no question about it. Uh, George Soros and Bill Gates and all of them are just in charge now, and they're just going to run the country right in the ground. Well, I'm, very, I'm, very, I'm very depressed, I'll tell you that right now. You're giving me an opportunity to talk about something that I really uh, came here this morning to uh, talk about, and it's this. I'm a hist- I, I, I like history. I study history. I have never seen America more divided than it is today in my 74 years. We, we hear these terms, and I, 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 I wonder who came up with terms like white privilege and toxic, um, toxic masculinity and, and uh, systemic racism. I mean, language, words can be used to unite or divide, and the words that I hear now are being used to divide us. Think about what happened in, uh, in Germany uh, prior to World War II. Hitler used communism to drive a wedge into his people, and we all saw how that turned out. Today in America, we're using racism in the same fashion to drive a wedge and to divide the people. We have to stop hating each other. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I understand here at the local level, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, we live, we live next to people who are on the opposite end of the political spectrum. There, that's fine. They're our neighbors. But at the, at the leadership level, both the Republican and the Democratic parties and what you see on the news, we have to stop the hate and we have to unify uh, in order to uh, preserve the America that we all know and love. Everybody benefits from living in America, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, tell me what's so wrong with America. So we have to stop the hate. The leadership... I, I, you look, better start, uh, start right with your educational system in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. They've been, doing, they've been doing it for the last 40 years or more. Absolutely. The leadership of both parties, uh, all they do, or at least all you see in the media, is they're playing what I call a grotesque game of chess. You know, make a move, counter the other guy's move, make a move, do this, do that, tack on poison pills to bills so that one side will vote for it and the other side will vote against it. These kind of games have to stop in America, and they have to stop hating each other and realize that there's 330-odd million of us out here who would really like to see them work together and better our country. Well, it sounds very good, and I hope for the best, but uh, I don't, uh, I'm not very, uh, I, 
optimistic right now uh, what's going on, I'll tell you that. All i right. got a fellow uh, making the delivery for me, so I'm going to have to leave. Thank you. All right. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thanks for calling in. one 800 1-800-795-9565. Thank you, Mark, for calling in. Joseph, last caller before quickie break. You are on the mark. Yes, uh, I want to come in on Dan bringing up a good point there about certain groups that, you know, haven't uh, had the virus and they don't wear masks. I fellowship with Mennonites a lot in, in their services. And uh, they are separated people. We know that. And the Amish are separated people. They don't wear masks. They don't take the shots, and but they do trust in the word of the Almighty in Psalms 91, that if you tr- put your trust in him, he won't allow these things to come near you. And by the way, you don't, if it, they're, so, they're a very closely knit uh, society, okay? And if it were a plague started, it would spread like wildfire, because I've ate uh, with them in their churches and stuff, and, and fellowship with them, and... And like I say, they're a very tight-knit society. And yet you see no uh, spread of the virus in those communities. I, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I personally, I won't take the shot because I believe uh, the Scripture uh, condemns that type of thing. Uh, in Revelation chapter 9, where it says about uh, something that's going to happen to people that don't have the mark of Yahweh in their forehead, uh, that they're going to suffer terribly for five months and their desire to die, and so forth and so on. So uh, I don't know if this shot would do that, counteracted with maybe another shot later on, and there would be a reaction somewhere down the line. But uh, that's the reason that I, I wouldn't take that, that shot. And like I say, these, uh, the all Mission to Midnight, um, they're separated people, and yet there's no big outbreak. I didn't hear of anything in any of the local communities uh, around here of them having a a, a a problem with it, you know what I mean? What is their means of disseminating information? Is, is, is sort of what is the process that they go through to get important information out to the rest of the world? In other words, if they were having COVID-19, which we know many members of the Amish community around here were hospitalized, so uh, we'll assume that that was just the tip of the iceberg and that they also had a representative uh, outbreak within their communities. But the particular Mennonite communities that you deal with did not, so fabulous for them. That's that's great to hear. But what is the official method? Uh, we, we now have two anecdotal remarks, mine plus yours. What's the official count of the how the outbreak impacted the Amish community? Uh, that I don't know, but uh, what I'm thinking is, because they are a very close to closely knit society, that it would be devastating, and you would have heard something about it. Now, you know, maybe maybe there is somewhere, but I haven't heard anything about it. And like I say, it would spread like wildfire. Uh, but I believe these people, they're very religious, and they're serious about their religion. And uh, I think they're protected, like it says in Psalms 91. Right. No pestilence will come near you if you trust in Yahweh. Okay. You know, 10,000 will fall at your right, or 1,000 at your right side, and 10,000 at your right hand, and it won't come nigh thee. All right. And even Satan tempted the Savior with that. He said, jump off the temple here, for it's written, you know, you won't dash your foot right. against the stone. He killed cord that song. And um, right. But anyway. Well, if you know, you find out more about the actual numbers, or not not that your yeah, numbers I, are inaccurate. I don't know yep. where you would well, go to get that information. I, right. I imagine I'm not computer savvy. Uh, in fact, I'm a... <laughs> Just the opposite, right? All but, right. Uh, it should be available somewhere. 
Okay. <clears throat> to be noted. Thank you so much, Joseph. Thanks for calling and thanks for being a regular caller. We appreciate that. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll take the promise break. We'll have time for a couple of two, three more callers. Uh, 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Stan, first 100-plus days, what's your view on President Biden? Well, I'm obviously a conservative, so I could say a lot, but I'm, I, I worry about... My main worry is, for example, on his first day in office, he issued an executive order that uh, killed the Keystone XL pipeline put 11,000 people out of work. And as time goes on, we see him, uh, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction where he's undoing policies that Trump had put in place for the sole reason that they were Trump policies. Whether they uh, take, take uh, what's happening at the border now, uh, Trump had illegal immigration under control uh, the flow was stopped. Well, it, it, it was greatly diminished. And people were being allowed to come in, but they had to come in the right way. But all that is gone now. And if you've looked at your, uh, at your uh, local gas station, gas prices have gone up. Why? Uh, well, Keystone XL probably played a role in that. Uh, various other things. Plus the economy's booming. The, the, well, the, the economy's stock, booming The back. stock market is doing well. And everywhere you look, you see uh, help wanted signs. But people don't want to work because of actions of the federal government. Uh, I worry about overreach. If you, there's, there's a series of House resolutions that have already passed, H.R. 1 probably being the most egregious, which seeks to nationalize uh, or federalize rules for uh, elections. I mean, doesn't the Constitution have something to say about how the role that states play in elections? The answer is yes. So I worry about things like this where 
Trump policies are being reversed merely because they're Trump policies. <laughs> like, I like the knee-jerk reaction. That's probably what it is. Hey, I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Uh, we want you to know that On the Mark that you've enjoyed today has been brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, so over a century of super service to their customers. They're on North 4th Street in Sunbury, and of course, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf is the Kia dealership, plus some select pre-owned cars are there. Uh, we invite you to do what I've done on many occasions. Go to the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. They specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspections. They'll pump you up with nitrogen for your tires. They get you aligned. They get you painted, and uh, you will have a better body for having gone through their body shop. Monday through Friday at the uh, Quick Lane, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 6.30 a.m. Do as I've done. Go to sunburymotors.com and look at the inventory of Ford, Hyundai, and Kias on the lots. Order one up, as I have done. Uh, Order up a new F-150 and uh, make sure you go there with some money to pay for it. Don't do it like I do. Then don't take it when they arrive. But that's a great opportunity for you, Sunbury Motor Company. One of our listeners sends us a message, says, uh, in February 2020, President Trump tweeted almost 900 times, but he only mentioned COVID 20 times. 15 tweets downplayed the severity of the pending outbreak. Chris, you get the last word. You're on the mark. You get a minute. Uh, well, first of all, the, the Mennonite community and Amish communities in Lancaster County in northeastern Ohio were hit very hard by COVID. I imagine the same is somewhat true around here, but, uh, but I haven't seen anybody reporting on it one way or the other on that. Uh, the pipeline had nothing to do with shutdown, had nothing to do with gas prices going up because nothing was being really produced from there yet. Uh, the economy kicking back into action as the pandemic went down, of course, causes greater demand for travel and gasoline. And that pushes it up because they stopped producing it because of the shutdown, because they were oversupplied for a while. All right. Well, that takes care of us. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm yep. sorry uh, we uh, ran out of time. Stan, thank you so much for coming in today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Stan Zellers, our great conservative. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.